Well, today, since we are starting, uh, at least for a period of time, you know, starting to do something a little bit different where we're getting the message and we're trying to kind of front load it and then we're doing praise and worship later, which is already makes things a little weird. And it means you're starting out with, you know, talking. Um, and then the fact that, you know, we also had some people from home church, like wanted to, wanted to join us and everything. And it's a very different kind of vibe and, and all that kind of stuff. Obviously you want to keep things very high energy and everything. So we're going to talk about the gift of administration today. Um, that's the most exciting thing that I can think about. And it's, it's funny because, um, there is a certain special type of thing about people who have the gift of administration. Uh, and it is interesting when you kind of get them together. Um, there's uh, it, certain individuals that when they see people who organize things along the lines of a really good spreadsheet, it just gives them a level of satisfaction. That's a very nice spreadsheet. I love a good spreadsheet. Someone asked me, <coughs> somebody asked me a while back, sit here and put down like associated with church, like, you know, hey, can you, can you sit here and, you know, just, just, just put a list together, right? Just send me a text, send me an email, like something simple, right? Send me, just send me a little thing and just say like, here's all the things that, you know, uh, I have to do as a part of, you know, doing like the stuff at the church, right? And everything. So I created a PowerPoint presentation and it was beautiful. It was organized. It had tables. It had formatted headers. It was a wonderful thing. And if you have that gift of administration, you're just like, I get it. I totally get what you're saying and everything. If you don't, you're going, oh my God, just cut it out. Um, and it is something where when you look at the, uh, the, the write-ups of all the spiritual gifts from the assessment that we took, then one of the things that you end up seeing in there, it's funny that it calls out, is it mentions and says that sometimes people who are kind of administratively minded, you like organizing things, you like kind of having things in order and all that, not necessarily in every facet of your life. If you go to my, if you go to my desk at work, you know, I got stacks of paper all over the place and all that, but just you like organizing things in your head a certain way. Um, but in doing that, sometimes other people can see that as being a bit overbearing. I've been told that sometimes, sometimes I can come across a little bit overbearing. So I get that. Um, you know, if you have this administration gift, you, you understand the importance of having things like roadmaps and structure and all that. So it's not just being able to do this stuff because that's kind of a skill. That's something that you can kind of teach somebody, but it's, it's people who kind of resonate with the fact that like there's certain things that you need to kind of make vision come to life. I can tell you that there are few things worse when you're in like a church kind of setting or any kind of organization type setting than being in the room with like a number of people who are all like, we'll call them big picture people, you know, and then you're the one person who like can actually structure things. Because what happens is people get really nifty ideas and then they look at you like you're the bad guy because you're the one going like, it's not going to work, you know, because you're thinking about all the things that are needed to make that vision happen. Or people think that you're saying no to everything when you're not saying no, you're just saying there's a correct way to do it. You know, like, yes, let's do your vision. Let's do all the things you want. But we got to think about some of these things because like we live in a practical world. So sometimes we got to work through those things. This is one of those things that balancing that I've had to learn like in this kind of capacity doing the, the pastor kind of thing. Um, I had to do it in youth ministry too, that like you end up having people who have these really nifty ideas saying like, you know what, we just need to be willing to go out and do blank. And you go like, okay, got it. Yeah. And we can do that. I'm saying yes. Yes. Let's absolutely go do that. Now let's talk about how we have to do that. And people hear more than like a couple of steps and they think you're saying no, when you're just trying to put structure to what's needed to make the word of God happen. 
The reason why I word it that way is because that is the importance of the gift of administration. It's the fact that a lot of people are driven by their convictions, so they're driven by their emotions and things like that. And sometimes being driven by those things, they tend to kind of overlook the fact that like, okay, well, there are some steps we can take in order to make that happen. And that's a different thing than saying no. And I want to make certain to be, be to draw that distinction. So whether you're a person who is an administratively minded kind of person, or you're somebody who has to work, or we'll say tolerate, those types of individuals. If you're that kind of person, then you have to understand that there's a difference between looking and saying no all the time, like taking the faith out of it and saying, well, I just don't see how that, that's just not pragmatic. We just simply can't do it. It's the difference between having that attitude versus having the attitude of saying, yeah, I don't have all the pieces. I don't know exactly how we're going to do that, but for what we do know, let's try to be deliberate about it. You see that there's, there's two different philosophies going on there. It's a philosophy of you know, saying, I won't do something unless I have all the pieces together, which is removing the faith from the spiritual gift. And then there's the other side of it, which is saying, there are holes in what I think we're putting together. That's where I'm going to use faith to say, I don't know how this is going to work, but we're going to give it a shot. But for everything that we do know, let's try to be pragmatic about it. Two very different ways of looking at things. But the outcome of applying that gift of administration is that you have individuals who actually start like being able to do the things that God has called them to do. Sometimes what you're doing is you're actually removing roadblocks for other people to be able to serve or be able to act or be able to, to do things for other people. And this is exactly what we end up seeing in the Bible. So this is going to be your first piece of scripture that you can, again, double check me on and all that. But we're going to be in Acts, right? So, uh, so in Acts chapter 6, you end up seeing what is effectively, much to the chagrin of everybody who hates like business meetings and all that, which I don't care for them, but much of the people who hate all that or think it's silly or think it's not necessary, you basically have in Acts 6 the first business meeting. Um, and, and I mean, it's kind of hard to read it any other way. So we start in uh, Acts 6 verse 1 through 7. You end up seeing this. There's a few interesting things in here. Verse 1, it says, In those days, as the disciples were increasing in number, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews and the Hebraic Jews that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. So I'm going to pause right there. So when we talk about Hellenistic and Hebraic, basically what you're talking about is that in these days, the way everybody else in the world, the way the Romans saw it, the way the Jews saw it, the way everybody else saw it, was that Christianity wasn't its own little thing. Right? So this whole idea of if you're like a high theology, whatever type of person, like the whole, this whole idea of like dispensationalism, like, well, not really a thing. So what you have is you basically have the, uh, a lot of people looking at Christianity as this is just an offshoot of Judaism. Right? So what that means is you have people that are in this offshoot of Judaism who are Jews. And then you have people who are this offshoot of Judaism who came in it through other means. So you have like the Gentile Christians, if you think about that way, in a lot of your other epistles, your letters of Paul, you end up seeing them referred to as that way. So it's talking about the Gentile individuals, and then it's talking about the more Jewish individuals that are all a part of this, uh, of this, 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 this organization. So what's happening is that one of the things that we see in the early church is that individuals would take of their own possessions and they would help give and support all the individuals around them. One key way that the church ended up actually growing was the fact that the church was so generous towards supporting other individuals in the community. And so you ended up seeing that some of the individuals in this early church were saying, 
hey, there are two different standards, it seems like, that people are using for uh, helping out some of our widows. You have the individuals that are non-Jewish, and they're looking at things and saying like, okay, you know, I, the... the these, these Hebraic Jews, are, 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 are their widows appear to be getting more support than the individuals that are Greek, you know, not from that, that area of Israel and Jerusalem and whatnot. So there's something is unfair, not because, uh, you know, there's no indication it's because there's any kind of bias or anything, but just because it doesn't look like everybody's getting, getting dealt with the same way. So in verse 2, we pick this up. The twelve disciples summoned the whole company of the disciples and said, It would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty. But we, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole company. So they chose Stephen, a man of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicolaus. You catch all those? A convert from Antioch. They had, they had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number, and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. Now, the several things that you end up seeing in there is that verse 2. That's where you kind of see that first business meeting effectively, where the disciples got everybody out and said, this is, this is, you know, it's based on ministry, but we have kind of an administrative thing happening here, okay? And we need to work through this. And so what they did is they ended up appointing several individuals. We call them deacons. That's what the Greek would call it too. So, you know, you have these individuals that are deacons that are being appointed to assist with the work that's taking place in the church to deal with this administrative matter. And what you end up seeing right there in verse 4 is that as a result of individuals dealing with this administrative matter, now it freed up the disciples to go do disciple things. It freed them up to do the teaching and the preaching and all that kind of stuff. It, it's probably not that these disciples were physically incapable of going and giving some charity and some food to other individuals. I would imagine that due to their hearts and what we know of these individuals and their entire ministries, that if the individuals were right there and all that, they probably would have been more than happy to, to try to assist these people. But what they recognized was that there was a calling of God on the group. So you have like what you feel called to do, and then you have what the family's called to do. And the difference between those two things is where sometimes that gift of administration starts helping out to try to separate those responsibilities so that everybody gets their needs met. That's one of the reasons, too, why we emphasize so much in like a church context the fact that there is something to having a church family. Because God does call the family to do certain things, and God does call us as individuals to do certain things. Both are important. Both are things that need to be supported. And understanding and being able to kind of divide people's you know, attention and resources and all that kind of stuff, that's what that administration starts really helping out with. Now, when you look at verse 6, there's kind of an interesting thing here. It says, uh, they had them, the individuals selected, stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. This right here is where we start getting a lot of ideas in our churches today about like the ordination ceremony. So when you have people that are going to be elders or deacons or something like that, this is where you start getting that idea of, you know, there being some kind of uh, uh, ritualistic, if you want to say it that way, side of things, you know, to kind of say we confirm that these people are this thing. But the reason why I point that out, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but the reason why I point this out is because in here there isn't anything that necessarily says 
okay, so when you appoint people in your church today to do similar things, you need to go do this ceremony. And I, I'm not pointing that out to say, oh, so you shouldn't do these types of things. I'm pointing that out to say it's important to understand when people do things with their faith and their religion today, it's critically important that people understand where that thing comes from. Because so often what we end up seeing in churches today, what we see in kind of Christendom writ large, are people kind of asserting that there's a specific way you have to do things or else it's not a church. There's a specific way you have to do things or it's not ministry. There's a specific way you have to do things or this doesn't count and that doesn't count. And in reality, what you end up finding out are a lot of these traditions we have are based on the fact that we had an example in the Bible where we went, hey man, these people, these people were pretty into in Jesus. Let's go do it the way they do it. And then that's kind of how we base our traditions. But that's a lot different than Christ saying like, you should go out and help the poor. You should go out and be willing to deal with people that are rejected by others. You should be willing to go have compassion on others. Those are two different standards of why we do things. So I just point that out to say like, you know, this right here, it's a good thing. Like we get it. It's a good practice. It's a very good thing that we should do and everything, but it's careful when people start trying to throw out like credentials of saying what is and what is not real Christianity to understand where the things that they consider real Christianity actually come from and then determine whether that's something that actually impacts your relationship with God, either as a family or as individuals. So that's my little side tangent about understanding the context of the Bible. Now, the main takeaway of this whole anecdote that I'll throw out there is that what you end up seeing is the fact that this administrative matter came up, the disciples dealt with it, they had their business meeting, as much as everybody hates their business meetings, they had their business meeting, they dealt with the issue, and then the result of the issue is that the gospel was able to be spread significantly greater. There was like an efficiency built into the actions that they were, they were taking. And the reason why I point this out is because when people fail to deal with the administrative aspects of either their own ministries that they feel called to do or with things of, from the church family, what ends up happening is not, a, not just, oh, well, the problem doesn't get resolved. If it were that simple, it would almost be something we could kind of accept and just say that's unfortunate. What it actually does is actually hinders the mission and the ministry of the church. There's a reason why when you look at the statistics on pastors today, pastors are leaving the ministry in record numbers compared to when they've ever been tracking these types of things. The average amount of time that a pastor sticks with a single church is three to four years. Y'all got like another one or two years out of me. So like, I mean, the, 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 the reality is what we end up seeing in the world today, and one of the things that is like one of the questions I put in the home church video was, so take this idea of individuals seeing a problem, coming together and recognizing that this administrative thing is actually hindering the gospel and hindering the mission of what they were trying to do, take that and apply it to our church today. How many individuals do we see in churches today who they have things that they want to see, they want to you know, have a certain type of relationship with the church that it doesn't really look like a family, it looks like a participation in a club or something like that. They want to do those kind of things, but yet when it comes to these things that we all look at and we could go, that's a problem, someone should deal with that. We turn around and we look at somebody who's an elder or a pastor or a whatever and we say like, you should go deal with that. 
That is the exact opposite of what we end up seeing here in the early church, where the early church was unified in their sense of purpose and mission. And because of that, when they saw administrative matters pop up, they were willing to say, like, we have to deal with this because the mission is more important. So I'm willing to do something I might think is a little bit boring because I want to see the whole thing move forward. That's the reason why administration becomes so important. Now, I mentioned some of the boring stuff and everything, and I know I got a good nine minutes left. So uh, we're going to do some more very exciting stuff, you know, uh, since we're doing a lot of talking and all that kind of stuff. And we're going to talk about Greek. So there's two different versions of this administrative thing that we end up seeing in the Bible, okay? So one of them is Kerberneses, and then the other one is Proistami, okay? So there we go. You've gotten your Greek for the day. Good job, Gold Star. So the difference between these two different styles of administration is that one is more of a guidance. One is more of I am helping others to see their vision move forward. And so I'm helping to provide that structure or that, that you know, those kind of guardrails to say like, okay, you want to do that? All right, let's figure out how you do that. So again, what we talked about at the beginning, I'm not saying no, I'm just saying sometimes there's a right way to do things. So let's go plan out what that right way path is. That's that guidance. This is what we end up seeing when Paul writes in uh, 1 Corinthians about this administrative type gift. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 27 through 28. Now you are the body of Christ and, ind and individual members of it. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, next miracles, then gifts in healing, helping, leading. Leading is where we get that word. Various kind, and various kinds of tons, etc., etc. So when you end up seeing those gifts, what specifically Paul is talking about is there is an amount of assistance, of guidance that you're providing. And it's one of the reasons why in this listing of the gifts, he kind of turns around and almost gives like a hierarchy of all of them. And if you notice that leading is kind of in that support for everything going on. So there's an aspect of administration that's not sticking your own neck out there per se, other than the fact that nobody likes the person with the spreadsheets. But there's that aspect of sticking yourself out there because you're trying to help other people pursue their vision because you see that as being something that's blessed by God. The second type that we see is that proistami, which I like because I, I didn't know exactly how to pronounce that one. I had to look it up and I got really good at pronouncing it. It's proistami. Sounds great. Makes you sound very, very Bible-y. So when you get see that proistami, you're seeing that in what Paul writes in Romans 12. So it's going to sound very similar, but you know it, it's, it's a bit of a different context. So in Romans 12, verse 6 through 8, According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, which we talked about last week, in exhortation. Giving, with generosity. Leading, right there, with diligence. Showing mercy, with cheerfulness. With cheerfulness. Now, when you see this idea of administration with leadership, this is a little bit different. And I feel like this is where sometimes churches do a disservice to people who are administrators. Is they turn around and they say, You're, you have a good mind for organizing things, so hey, why don't you take this thing and go lead it? And that's really a different thing. Sometimes administration is leading, and that's what's being talked about right here. And you see Paul bounce back and forth between both of them, which is why I bring both of these forms of administration out there. But it's important... A, if you're that administrator, to sit here and understand what type of administration you really lend yourself to. If people are looking at you and saying, you got a good mind for this kind of stuff, so here, why don't you take this and go lead it, but you're looking at it and saying, that's not really what I do, that's okay. It's okay to acknowledge that that's not your gift. But 
It's also under, important to understand if we are individuals looking at administrators to not put an undue burden on them, to assume that just because they have a great organized mind that, you know, well, you know, you have, you have a good mind for kind of organizing thoughts and everything, so I want you to organize all these people. People tend to talk back a whole lot more than Excel spreadsheets. I can tell you that from experience. So it is two very different types of gifts. But it's important that we have both of them because they both together give us that structure that helps us to be able to achieve that work that God has called us to do. So to put kind of a nice little bow on this, I guess I'll, I'll appeal back to kind of what I was first starting with, you know, talking about the fact that nobody likes to talk about administration. Nobody likes to talk about all those boring things, but yet it's one of the spiritual gifts. It's one of the things that we see Paul explicitly pointing out that God has given certain people the ability to do. And so if that's the case, then who are we to turn around and say, well, uh, you know, it's a spiritual gift, but it's a really boring one, so I'm just going to kind of ignore it. Or I'm going to sit here and put it on a different level from everything else. No one wants to talk about constitutions. No one wants to talk about business meetings or anything like that. It's so boring. So why in the world? So can't we just overlook it? And to that, I'll point you to 1 Peter 4, verse 10, where it says this, Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the very grace of God. What we end up seeing with every facet of our lives is any time that we feel God has given us a gift, then we look at it and say, I need to use that gift for good. And in any other context, we have no problem with that. God has given me the gift for music, so I want to use my gift of music for good. God has given me a giving heart, so I want to use my giving heart for good. God has given me the ability to understand things and to teach, so I want to use that gift for good. And we're all like so animated and amped to do that. But then as soon as we sit here and we see that there are other people in our body, in our body, that have the gift of administration, we go, oh, it's just so boring. Oh, I don't want to deal with it. But yet it's a part of the body. And so in just the same way that we look at any other gift and we feel obligated to use these blessings that God has given us to reach other people, we have to treat administration the same way. And the same thing goes for any other gift, no matter whether it's something that seems boring. Maybe it's not that it seems boring, but that it seems scary. Maybe it seems intimidating. Maybe it seems like it's something that you go like, I feel like God's put me in a box. And like, I got news. He's the only one qualified to put you in a box. So, you know, there are different reasons why we may say that, you know, I'm hesitant to use my gift or I'm hesitant to recognize the value of somebody else's gift. And if you're doing that, I got it. It's a very human thing. The Bible is rife with individuals who had the exact same issues. But what you see consistently, if you've read the Bible, it's a good book, you should read it. What you end up seeing in that Bible is that those individuals who had that mentality were shown to be wrong. It come to find out the guy who created all things, including us, knew best. And so that's one of the reasons why when we sit here and look at any gift, whether it's something that's exciting or whether it's something that seems mundane and boring, that we understand that God has ordained those gifts. And so we owe it to God. We owe it to the individuals God has called us to serve to use those gifts for His good. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to be able to learn from your word, to be able to gather together. And uh, we just pray as we um, enjoy a little bit of time of uh, fellowship here that um, you would help us to uh, help us to be able to draw closer to each other and that you would help prepare our hearts and set the stage for whatever it is that you're going to um, put in front of us in the following week and in the following days and um, help prepare our hearts so that as we get into this time of praise and worship, we would um, 
uh, be ready to um, give you glory. In your son's personal name we pray. Amen.